Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. I just feel and get right to the message right away. Let's turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying there is a certain city, a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection for my opponent. And for a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest by continually coming she wear me out. The little Greek says here in the margin, says, Lest she come and hit me under the eye. <laughs> She'd come and beat him up. <laughs> and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The actual Greek says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find the faith on the earth? There's a definite article there. The faith. Meaning when Jesus returns, he is looking for those people who want to wear him out. Who remind him of his word. Who remind him of his promises. Who are just not just flowing with every wind of doctrine that comes through. But they're, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God, folks. And I sensed tonight, today when I was praying, I sensed that there's many people you're so close to your breakthrough. And tonight we just want to push you over. Glory to God. You're just, you're, it's just right there, you know. It, it, it's, it's right there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And, and, and I know a lot of it's financial breakthroughs. That's what I feel in my spirit. A lot of it is financial breakthroughs for people. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, personally, I'm believing for $14 billion. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Amen. That's just the start. Hallelujah. Amen. You say, why, why $14 billion? Well, I don't know. God, God told me one day, Amen. sitting in front of a bank building up in uh, the logging country of British Columbia, watching all the loggers come in and che- cash their checks from the mill. And the Lord spoke to me and says, I want you to believe me for $14 billion. I said, $14 billion. I can't even fathom how much money that is. And then the next day I saw in the newspaper that they just built an airport in Hong Kong for $10 billion. I said, well, they did that for $10 billion. Why can't we have $14 billion? And what I am noticing, folks, is that there's a lot of people that are taking big hits for the move of God right now. 
A lot of pastors, a lot of churches, they're getting touched, they want to go forward, and usually what happens is half the church gets up and leaves. Or the person gets the left foot of fellowship from their organization, they have to go out and start from scratch again. I would like to, to see this revival spread, amen? Yes. And one way to cause it to spread is through finances, folks. Amen. 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 And I sense that tonight. God wants to, it is a supernatural breakthrough for finances. Amen. So just have that keyed in tonight as we're talking. Verse 8 again, it says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find the faith on the earth? I want to share tonight what I believe is the faith. Hallelujah. Turn back to the book of Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. What kind of faith is the Lord looking for before he returns? Hallelujah. In verse 1, I'll stand on my guard post. I'll station myself on the rampart. I'll keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I'm reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision. Last night we said that the vision is verse 14. Record the vision of the glory of God filling the earth as the waters cover the sea. Inscribe this on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal. It will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. So first of all, you cannot run with the vision of the glory of God filling the earth. If we have pride. And I believe the first thing of this revival, what God has done, has come to bring down all self-sufficiency. Especially pride of the intellect. That's a big one right there. I believe God has wrapped this revival in a cloak of silliness to keep the proud out. Yeah, that's good. That's right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember when we were pastoring in Brooklyn, New York, and... and, uh, and had and I had been touched in revival, and we were praying God for more revival and saying, God, do whatever you want in the service. You know, and then when God shows up in the service and does something that we didn't understand, we started pulling back from it. And it was my, my oldest son. He was four years old at that time, and he was sitting on the front row, and the preacher's just, you know, oh, Waco, Israel, you know, just singing away on the, you know, the panel over there. And uh, suddenly, Gadon falls off his chair and begins to roll with the, going like this. But no sounds coming out. And we watched that, and Dalit's pregnant, you know, she's, she almost goes into labor. She's laughing so hard. And the whole church stops and is looking at Gideon. What's going on with Gideon? He's interested in Lego blocks. Why is he on the floor doing this? And I started thinking, aha, it was one of those Russian Jewish ladies. They put a, they put a curse on him. That's what happened. <laughs> they waved some of that rainbow aura as they do. And we had a lot of people involved in the occult, in the Russian you know, Jewish community that got saved. We had to get him delivered of psychic phenomena and all this, you know. I remember once I was preaching on the, <laughs> I was asking the Lord, well, why are these people getting saved, but they don't get baptized in the Holy Ghost? And the Lord said to me, the occult. Okay, the occult. So the next day, <laughs> I had this beautiful sermon all laid out about the occult. At the end of it, I said, who's here been involved in the occult? And they go, funny mice? Yeah, funny mice, right? I don't know. <laughs> I said, okay, tarot cards, uh, extrasensory perception, uh, auras. Oh, yeah. One guy, Lil Need. Oh, yeah. I was getting ready to make an usher. Oh, yeah. I have a PhD in that. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> oh yeah, we used it for the military. We were into psychic phenomena for the military in the Soviet Union. I was like, and so I thought they had done something to my son. And he's on the floor going back and forth. And so finally I pick him up and I carry him out to the, to the foyer and I shook him. I says, son, what's happening to you? And he looks at me and says, Abba, Jesus is tickling me. <laughs> and I felt, oh no, I felt about that high. And I, here I think my son has a demon and it's Jesus is tickling him. So I bring him back in. I put him on the floor and he's going back and forth laughing. No sounds coming out. And the preacher, and I'm sitting right where pastor is, I'm, the preacher's preaching, and all of a sudden he goes, I feel like repenting, Jesus is in this place. And he backs up towards the organ. Right before he said that, I felt about that high that I, you know, here calling out for God to move, and he's moving, and I think it's the devil. And then I, right behind me, I feel Jesus. And every hair follicle sticks up. And you know it when he's in the building, folks. You know it. And he's standing behind us. And he starts coming down the aisle, and that same moment, the, pastor, the preacher goes, I feel like repenting. The Lord's in this place, and backs out of the aisle. He didn't know why he did that. I asked him later. And the Lord walks past me, and I'm going, oh, no, no. And when he walks past me, I go like this. I look, and I saw the back of the Lord's head down to his torso. And he walked right past us and went right through the wall. And these words came, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And that was the day I knew I was supposed to put Isaac on the altar, leave the pastorate and go on the road. That was the day. Hallelujah. With no meetings. Nobody knew who we were. But I knew it was him. And then the first thing you think of when God does something new, you need finances. Amen? Hallelujah. And this Jewish guy who just got saved comes over and says, I don't know why this First time in your congregation, but God told me to write you a check. So he gave me a check for $6,000. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. And that was the beginning of Rivers in the Desert International. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, once you get incorporated and do all those things, it goes pretty quick, doesn't it? <laughs> and so uh, we had one meeting in uh, Dover, Delaware, and we had 15 people jamming the pews. <laughs> Fifteen. We count them every night. Same ones. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. And just to tell you real quick, it was, it was funny. It was that after about three days, we laid hands on everybody and did everything we could think of do to get the revival going. And finally I said, you know what? I'm tired of you guys, your hairline receding. We're laying hands on you so much. Let's take the revival to the streets. And the people go, oh. We feel led to stay back and pray tonight. Yes, we'll st- no, 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 no. <laughs> what do you mean by the streets? And I said, well, one of the young people came and told me tonight and said, there's a rock and roll. There's a heavy metal concert down at the state capitol in, in Delaware. We're going. And of course, I was kind of easy. The people want to stay back. Okay, you're in charge of intercession. Okay, you pray. Don't fellowship. You pray. <laughs> and then we'll take some groups out. So we went out and we got down to the, uh, to the, to the uh, state capitol and we got there, real loud music, can hardly even hear anything. Thousands of people there. And the Lord says, son, I had three other guys with me. I says, he says, son, I want you to walk around this place four times. I said, four times. Well, why not seven? Are we going to do a Jericho march? If we're going to walk around it, why not seven times? 
So we yielded to the Holy Ghost said. <laughs> and walked four times around. As soon as we finished the fourth time, the music shut down. They went into intermission. Everybody started flooding toward all the portajons. The first person we signed was one of the janitors. He got saved. Hallelujah. The next person rededicated his life. And the third person was the lead. Get this. The third person walked out of the Porter Johns. Guess who he was? He was the lead singer and lead guitarist for the rock and roll group. I believe the Lord had us walk around four times to wait for him to finish. And so he walks up. And uh, we began to witness to him, and he goes, wow, wow. He goes, this is intense, you know, real long hair, scraggly. Wow, this is intense. And we caught at the moment of time, he's open. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he said, you know, he goes, this is wild. He goes, I was just driving through Washington, D.C., and they had this big thing, I think they called Washington for Jesus, something like that. And I saw this guy up there blowing this big animal's horn. And it sounded so eerie, man. It was wild. You know? I says, guess what? He goes, what? It was me. No, oh, oh, this is far out. Oh, oh, whoa. <laughs> and so he got saved right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so we, you know, followed up on him and said, what's your name? He goes, my name is Thunder. Thunder? Is that your group name? No, no, no. That's my name. Were your parents on LSD in the 60s? Uh, thunder. He goes, no, 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 my parents are normal. My father is a U.S. embassy official overseas. Really? Yeah, I'm Thunder, and I have a sister named Spring and Rain. Really? And so we came back the next night. <laughs> and guess what? Thunder showed up with his mom, and, and Rain came. Hallelujah. <laughs> And the church started from 15, now we're up to 20 now, and things are going, hallelujah. Folks, if, ain't going, if it's not happening here, we're going to go to the streets, hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> <laughs> and so Dalit ribs me the next night, and she goes, you had so much fun, you're going to watch the kids tonight, I'm going out with the ladies. I said, okay, no problem. And so they went down the street to a Dunkin' Donuts, that's the only thing that's open after revival, and went to the Dunkin' Donuts, and there was a lady there that uh, they walked in, the only place, there was only one woman in the place, wasn't it? You've been a witness to her, noticed that she had a black eye. Notice there was some type of, you know, domestic violence at home. Being the leader to the Lord, the Holy Ghost fell on her. And she starts going, oh, what's this? Oh, oh, oh. I mean, we can't fault her. That's her only expression and only way to contact or try to communicate to God. <laughs> I mean, get ready for people to start coming in going like this in the services. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Don't come up there and slap them upside the head. You can't do that. It's a demonic. Just learn how to teach them. Is there, that's the only way they know how to. You understand, folks? <laughs> we have to get ready. Remember the, the Jesus people movement, most of the churches rejected. That's right. So we've got to get ready for the new thing God's going to do. Amen. Amen. And so uh, they lead her to the Lord. They come back. They're all excited. So the, the next night, it's Friday night now. I said, okay, we're all going out. We're going to have a board meeting at that same, you know, Dunkin' Donuts. Some board members came down. You know the opera singer I told you about last night? Ooh. So they all came down, and we said, we'll get two birds with one stone. We'll have a board meeting at the same time follow up on this lady got saved last night. So we went, we're driving down the road, and the Holy Ghost says, I'm about to pull in the parking lot. The Lord says, don't pull in the Dunkin' Donuts. But, Lord, I was taught by the Baptist. You've got to follow up within 72 hours or you lose them. <laughs> 
I said, okay, and like, what are you doing? He's got to go in there. I said, no, no. God says go, keep on driving. She says, okay, obey God. Down several more miles, found another Dunkin' Donuts. Only place open Friday night. We pull in the parking lot. We all file in, you know. We sit down by the cash registers. Nobody's in the place. And we're just sitting there. Well, I guess we'll have a boring board meeting, you know. <laughs> go through the minutes. Okay, pull out the paper. Let's do the minutes now. And uh, suddenly we hear the bell ring. And all of a sudden comes all these high school students come in from the high school football game. I said, glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> we are going fishing tonight. Forget about the minutes. Hallelujah. And what you do is, you know, in this river, this revival, it's called like creative evangelism or spontaneous evangelism. I used to pass out a lot of tracts. Now all I do is I, I, I look for the one. Amen? Hallelujah. When we just used to do this in Brooklyn, we used to stand by the D train in Brooklyn as people came in off the, out of the city, New York City on the way home, and maybe a thousand people walked past me in an hour, but there'd be one executive with his tie down, carrying his briefcase, coming home from Wall Street, and he was open. Amen? Glory to God. I like that kind of evangelism. Amen? Glory to God. So anyway, so we're pulling in the parking lot. All these high school students come in. We're sitting down. I'm looking for the opportunity. I'm looking for an opening. And uh, I hear the door ring. I look over. Guess who walks in? The woman who worked at the other Dunkin' Donuts with the black eye. And I cannot to this day figure out what you would do on your day off working 40 plus hours making donuts and waiting on people and your day off go to another Duncan's Donuts. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so she walks in and she walks in with her boyfriend that gave her the black eye. And she sees us, she goes, <sighs> and runs over and starts crying and sits down the sisters start loving on her and the guy, I can tell he's upset. He sits down, he throws the chair, he sits down I noticed his arms the size of telephone poles. He had all these weird tattoos all over his arms. Find out he's been in prison for 10 years. He's 28 years old. He's been in prison for a violent crime. And all he did with our taxpayer money was lift weights. That's all he did in prison. And so he sat down. He's all mad. And we're trying to talk to her and trying to be nice to this guy. And all the students are there, you know. And, and the place is packed out now. I'm going, this is going to be really interesting, Lord. All of a sudden, he gets so upset he hits his fist on the table and says, when I was, in, I was raised in a religious home, and when I was in prison, I found the real power of darkness. He says, and if, would you, if I can feel the power of your God right now, then I'll believe in what you're saying. And before we can even think, six pairs of hands go on him. <laughs> ah, the demons come out right away. Every, every place, every eye goes like this, like a saucer. I'm looking at all the students, they're going, ah, ah, ah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He begins to shake. They come out right away. We didn't need garbage bags. We didn't need to mess up the floor. Just tell them to shut up and come out. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen? Come on, folks. Amen. But if you watch too much garbage, they'll not come out. They'll laugh at you. Come on now, folks. Hallelujah. I mean, I had to talk today to my kids. I mean, they had this rated G film that... You know, my wife thought it was kosher. She bought it for them to watch, and I started watching it. And I said to myself, it was a great film, but they just took about three or four parts out of it. And I said, I cannot compromise anything. Kids, I'm sorry, it's a great film, but there's too much fear produced in that film. They say, what film is it? What film is it anyway? The Bug's Life. 
<laughs> hey, those grasshoppers are demonic, folks. That praying mantis is full of the new age. Why don't I expose my kids to that? Amen? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Glory to God. What are you going to do to entertain the kids? We're going to hang them on the streets and show them how to cast out devils. Hallelujah. <laughs> Did you see that? Abba? He turned into a snake and it came right out. He's okay. Wow, this is awesome. <laughs> so anyway, he got delivered, this guy. And he, and he, he, he gets delivered. And he, just, he begins to laugh and, and begins to giggle. And the joy this big man. He's laughing and giggling. Everybody in the place is watching us. And I said, uh, now that you're doing okay, would you like to have some coffee and donuts? He goes, no. I just want to feel the power of your God again. <laughs> we couldn't shake him. All he wanted, he followed us out in the parking lot, blowing the shofar. I mean, he was an instant revivalist. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. I know what got me off on all that. Hallelujah. I got to tell you another story. There's, a, there's, a, there's an anointing here for evangelism, folks. We're in Brooklyn, okay? And uh, there's a good friend of mine named Jim Paul. He's a former Baptist minister, real nice guy from a German background, you know, real conservative, gets on fire, gets hit by the glory of God. And now he's a revivalist around the world, especially in foreign countries. And he's wild for God, okay? <laughs> he's really wild. Hallelujah. And so he's doing ministry for us in Brooklyn. We take him out to the only place that will open again is Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> it's in Brooklyn now, 12 o'clock Monday night. We pull in Dunkin' Donuts. There's a guy from Pakistan back there working as the owner. Yeah, what do you want? Hurry up. Uh, we're all three, my wife, Jim, and myself, we're standing there looking at all these fresh donuts and trying to figure out what do we want. Look over and I notice the New York City police officer drives up. Time for their donut break. And I'm... <laughs> I'm just looking, and I don't know what I want. What do you want, Jim? I don't know. I'm really hungry. I just don't know why we're here. Then he goes, what do you want? And we're going back and forth. And then suddenly, the glory hits Jim. He's very conservative, former Baptist minister. The glory hits Jim. He, he wears glasses now, okay? He goes like this in front of the counter. And his glasses are bouncing off the bridge of his nose. And then the anointing hits Dalit, and she starts going, ah! And then it hit me, and I fall over the top of the counter. I am stuck. My chest is glued to the top of the counter. My head is right next to the cash register. This guy is freaking out. He's grabbing the telephone, ready to call the police. <laughs> then I start hearing the door opening. You hear the little bell. And guess what? A whole gang of Brooklyn youth walk in now. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. And they're standing in line for a while, and they, they start getting up mad, and they start blaspheming. They just start cursing us, but they think we're a bunch of drunks. And they're hungry. They want something to eat, and they're just trying to get out. What are you doing? And one of them starts using the name of the Lord in vain, and then Dalit straightens up. And Dalit goes after the biggest one. Hallelujah. And says, we are not drunk as you suppose. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And she went right after him. He turned around and spun off and took off. Hallelujah. <laughs> so now we have to help Jim now. Okay? Jim is really sauced. And we help, we, we help Jim now. <laughs> 
and we're helping them back to these little tables and Jim's going like this the whole way back. We sit him down and we're laughing so hard because it's like, you know, forget about any, you know, any dignity here. We are just totally out of it. And we sit down and we're laughing and Jim is just going off. You know, he's trying to shake, drink his coffee. And, and then guess what? All the youth come and sit next to us. They have this gang. And one, I'm the most coherent. One of them leans over to me and says, what have you been doing tonight? <laughs> totally serious. I says, what do you mean? He says, no, because we bought this stuff over there on 18th Avenue. It's nothing compared to what you guys have. <laughs> And we're going on, we're laughing. He thinks we're drunk. This is crazy. <laughs> and so then we tell him, then Jim perks up and says, No, we're ministers. And they go, Ah, oh, that's the greatest front I've ever heard. And they're cracking up and laughing even more. <laughs> Finally, I sober up and I start to give my testimony how I got saved. And they're listening to the whole thing. Hallelujah. So I'm talking to the, the secondary ringleader. The first one's where he left. Okay, so you get the second one. I'm going after him. When you talk to him and he listens, everybody else will listen. Remember that, folks. Hallelujah. <laughs> Maybe we should just invade the IHOPs tonight. <laughs> This is more fun than any movie house, any video, folks. I'm telling you. The only thing you have to overcome is the fear of rejection. That's all. And the fear of martyrdom. But hey, listen, what's the... Hey, the worst thing that can happen is you die and go to heaven. You may feel a little bit of pain, you know. Like you just slip out and you'll be in the glory realm. No big deal, it's okay. Because all fear comes out of the fear of death. That's the root of the whole thing. So if you're not afraid of death, glory to God. The devil's afraid of you now. Anyway. So finally I start giving my testimony. As I'm giving my testimony, these kids are just listening. Wow, wow, wow. And Jim walks over. They don't see him. Jim walks over walks behind the youth and touches him on his back and he, the youth doesn't see him goes ah what was that ah, ah. he'd been doing crack cocaine he was instantly sober when Jim touched him instantly went sober like that so we prayed with him lead him to the Lord only God knows if they got saved or not we did our part hallelujah and now we have to say we got to go now we got a babysitter she doesn't know where we're at we got to get home so we're driving off and these kids are sprinting out of the Dunkin Donuts following us down the street going we'll see you later what church was that again oh what time does the service start <laughs> folks we are talking about a new realm of evangelism hallelujah These are not drunk as you suppose. The 3,000 got born again, Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just feel the Lord switching the message right now. 
Turn to Ephesians 1. I just sense that right now. Glory to God. These are Holy Ghost meetings. We'll get back to probably this tomorrow. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. It says, verse 17, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What is the surpassing greatness of his power to us who believe in resurrecting Jesus from the dead? Notice before the, he talks about the resurrection, before he talks about the riches of, our, of the glory of our inheritance, before he talks about revelation, he talks about God giving us a spirit of wisdom. Hallelujah. And I've heard for years, I was brought up in Tulsa, and when I got saved, came over into the, you know, the different churches in Tulsa. Thank God for them. We got a great foundation there. However, I never heard wisdom taught in a realm I'm going to teach you tonight. I always heard wisdom taught as something that somebody has a lot of high, high IQ or practical experience. And they always quoted out of the book of Proverbs and, you know, all these short, pithy sayings to teach us what wisdom is. But I, wisdom, folks, is not having intellectual knowledge or experience how to act in a situation. Wisdom is a person. Yeah. And his name is Jesus. Truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. Prosperity is not a chicken count. It is a person. Healing is a person. Hallelujah. Yes. First, turn to 1 Corinthians. Just another couple books back. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're just going to tie in why this revival acts so silly, the manifestations. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. The word of the cross is those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of of the world. The first thing God's doing before we enter into a new wineskin, a new thing, is He's humbling all of us. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. Verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews asked for signs and Greeks searched for wisdom. But we preach Messiah crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. For God has chosen the foolish things of the world, praise God, to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. The base things of the world, the despised, God has chosen the things that are not that he might nullify the things that are. Hallelujah. That no man should boast before God. Keep your finger here. We'll be right back to it. Turn to Luke chapter 10. We're talking about the Lord's tying something together here. He, talk, we just, he just wants to tie something together about deliverance, spiritual authority, and what he's doing in this revival right now. Luke chapter 10 and verse 17. Give you a little background. Jesus had already sent out the 70, told them to kick out the devil, give him a nervous breakdown. Hallelujah. 
Just go from city to city. They don't receive it. Shake off the dust. Glory to God. Just go for it. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Amen? Yeah. And this is before the Holy Ghost has been poured out, folks. This is still under an Old Testament anointing. And verse 17, the 70 returned with joy. That's what I love about street witnessing. Everything, everything comes up the day before you're going witnessing. Oh, yeah. Even to the point that you and your flesh want to sit at home. But what I live for is after the fact, the afterglow, after you witness, after you pass out tracts, after you have revival services, what happens afterwards as you go home in the glory presence? Hallelujah. Nothing like it, folks. He that waters others shall be watered himself. Amen? And the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your name is recorded in heaven. At that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Ghost. I believe if you saw the way Jesus rejoiced, you may be shocked and ashamed and startled. We're going to show you tonight what really goes on in heaven. Hallelujah. What happens up in the realms of glory? Hallelujah. What happens up there? How does Jesus rejoice? How do the angels rejoice? How does God the Father rejoice? And you recognize how, how much rigor mortis is down in our services down here on earth. Tonight, faith is going to be produced in your heart. The faith. Hallelujah. To step up and rejoice and to flow. Notice here that Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Spirit. And he says, I praise you, Abba, Lord of heaven and earth, that is hide these things in the wise and intelligent, and just reveal them to the babes. Yes, Abba, it was well-pleasing in thy sight. God downloads his authority to drive out the kingdom of darkness to those who are childlike in heart. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's why this revival is putting everybody on the carpet. Because yeah. everybody's the same height on the carpet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I was part of the Washington for Jesus. I mentioned tonight and also last night. And we had a big Jericho march around the state capitol. I mean, the, the, the uh, legislative building, the nation's capital. And at the end of the seven times, everybody shouted against the seven principalities of North America which really it was, it was a, a political thing. Really, the prayers were really centered on getting uh, our president not reelected. We were there, the whole thing. Everybody got up there and had their 15 cents to say, and everybody shouted and hollered and all this stuff, and who's who in the charismatic church showed up, you know, and the generals of this thing and generals of that, you know, and those who know spiritual warfare and all these other things, and I was one of them, showed up, and we thought, yeah, we're going to bring down everything, we're going to have a righteous government and all this stuff, and we blew the shofar, and we did all these hooting and hollering, and bro brothers and sisters, Clinton was still reelected. Yeah. And to keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is a sign of mental illness. <laughs> To keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is a sign of mental illness. And I just woke up and I said, you know what? Something is desperately wrong with our spiritual warfare games. Because we had, it, we had enough firepower out there. It didn't make a dent in our civilization at all. Let's be honest, folks. 
And so I, I came back, you know, and I, I, was, I was a little upset. I was saying, Lord, you know, where is the beef? And uh, there was a dear brother who began to sing during that conference that really got me. He was from overseas. And he began to sing, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Dun, dun, dun. As he began to sing, you could feel the whole crowd go, oh, don't sing that. Oh, you could die. The devil could get you. And I didn't realize how much superstition and fear there is against spiritual warfare. Superstition and fear of spiritual backlash. He says, wait a minute, don't, be, don't back off. I'm just prophesying what the, God already prophesied in the Bible about Satan. He's finished. So I came back and opened up the Greek linguistic key, and it opened up something that totally startled me. It says here, verse 18, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I thought that was always in the past tense, that eons ago, you know, Lucifer went up in pride, and God kicked him out of, you know, he took a third of the angels with him. I thought it was eons ago Jesus is talking about. But I looked it up in the Greek, and folks, I'll read it to you. It's the imperfect, this is what the Greek linguistic key says. The imperfect points to what was constantly repeated. Every expulsion of demons means the fall of Satan. Meaning every time they're out casting out devils, healing the sick, Jesus said, when you guys were out doing that, I was watching, present tense, I was watching Satan's infrastructure fall like lightning. And so the way to pull down the principalities and powers over Houston is not to go to the Transco Tower and have a 40-day fast and a powwow and rain dance around the place. The thing for us to do is to go out and proclaim the good news linked with signs and wonders. Because the only place strongholds are mentioned in the New Testament is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, talking about the strongholds in the mind. And if you look at it, Satan's not in hell right now. He has an infrastructure. He has rulers, you know, Ephesians 6, 12 says, there's principalities, there's powers, right? Docile in the heavenly places. And our job is not to go be doing battle with them. The shadow boxing is what I call it. Our job is to preach the gospel. And when we preach the gospel, hallelujah, it changes people's thinking. And when we link it with signs and wonders and cast out devils and heal the sick, hallelujah, a one-two punch comes in, hallelujah. And that person who is a puppet, Satan's greatest expression is through an unrenewed mind. And so when you change somebody's thinking, he doesn't have his talons in their mind anymore. He just lost that expression through planet Earth now. And so what's happened, we're, we're, people would go to a warfare conference rather than going out witnessing. Yeah. Come on, folks. We got to, hey, hey, if we just knew what type of Patriot missiles were sitting down inside of us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If we knew what was down inside of us. There's nothing wrong with intercession, but intercession is there to back up the ministry of the word. It opens up the doors, the ministry. Amen? Amen. Intercession is not a ministry office, folks. It's a ministry of helps. Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you, it is so fun to witness. I tell you, there's an anointing here for evangelism. 
I don't know how, sure, how far we're getting to this tonight, but I got to keep talking about it. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Notice that this authority is given to those people who are simple like children. You know, if we don't go out and preach the gospel and do what we've been told, it's not the great, you know, if you like to, you can do it. It's a great commission, and we command you to do it. That's right. If we don't get involved in winning people to Jesus and discipling them, we'll get involved in intertestinal guru garbage. There was no prophetic word for 400 years before Jesus came. And that was when all the flaky demonology came out in the intertestinal period. It's called pseudographical literature. There was no prophetic word. There was no moving of God's spirit until, until John the Baptist came. And so all the Jewish people got involved in this Persian dualism and came up with some flaky doctrines. I think if we just forget about all the spiritual warfare and just go out there and start preaching the gospel, hallelujah, one of the largest publishers in the world found out about our testimony and, and uh, wanted to publish it. This is three years ago. And I was told that if you want to have a good-selling book, write anything on spiritual warfare, you'll sell good books right now. And the Lord said, don't give them the book. Don't give it to them. I said, okay, I won't do it. Well, that's why we decided to self-publish it. There's something out there, folks. It's like, if I'm not going to witness and do what God's told me to do, then I'll start looking for excuses. Well, the devil did this, you know. Well, the devil did that, you know. And, and you'll start getting your eyes on this present darkness rather than this present glory. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk about this revelation tonight, when you get a revelation of being a childlike, hallelujah, it gives you spiritual confidence and authority. Hallelujah. That's right. That's right. That's come, on, come on, folks, come on. You, want, you say, well, it, maybe it's not here, okay? I don't know. I don't know a lot of people here. But I'm saying when we travel, it's out there a lot. People are getting too... Woo-woo! Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in Vancouver, okay? We blew the shofar at the woo-woo headquarters, okay? The X-Files. Yeah. Let's back up now. So we're, we're doing meetings in Vancouver at the place, the church that was the center of the latter rain movement. And uh, we came in after a week of meetings. The pastor says, Monday's off. Would you like to go with me to go feed the poor? We have a homeless outreach that has a big blue school bus. and has a soup kitchen. Would you like to go with us? And uh, we go downtown to the parking lot. And we feed all these drug addicts and AIDS patients and ex-loggers and all this stuff. I said, great, let's go, yeah. So we drove downtown. This old school bus, it's, it's just burping blue smoke out of the back end. They need a new one, I tell you. And they pull in the parking lot. They can hardly get their bus into the parking lot that they normally feed the poor with because it's overrun with all this Hollywood TV equipment. And, I, and the, the believers didn't say much about it. I said, Pastor, what's going on in this parking lot here? This is your guy's parking lot. The city gave it to you. He goes, oh, no, no. He goes, this is just one of the industries here in Vancouver. I said, what industry? He goes, well, Vancouver is known as Hollywood, North Hollywood. Really? And I said, well, what's this program? He says, well, this, all this generators and sound equipment and all these RVs, this multi, millions of dollars of equipment you see here, is they're filming right down the alley here, this dark alley. They're filming a live uh, session for the X-Files. I said, the X-Files? You mean that demonic outfit? Oh, yeah, yeah. It brings millions of dollars. It's the number one program series worldwide ever. I said, really, that thing? I've been waiting a long time to blow the show for against this outfit. <laughs> 
He said, what do you, what do you mean? I said, listen to me. I believe X-Files and this type of UFOs and stuff is just a trick of the enemy prepping our culture for a visitation of alien spirits. Yeah. It's not I Dream a Genie anymore, folks. It's not bewitched in those nonsense programs that many of us grew up with. We're talking about now full-blown occultic things, getting people their eyes on UFOs and stick figures with almond eyes. And Satan right now is prepping this culture for a visitation of the Antichrist. Signs and wonders, folks. And I said, I've been blow- I want to blow the show up against this outfit. And so we start doing the outreach and and uh, one of the big, big, huge mammoth guy, you know, walks over to me, he's a security guard, and he says, you know what? You guys are doing this right. Look at, look at all this. We have all the money we want. Our culture loves this show, but you guys are doing what's really right. Feeding the poor here. And look, you got, look at your bus. It's, it, should be, you know, it should be towed away. And I got incensed in my spirit. All it takes for the triumph of evil is good men do nothing. And the church in Vancouver just had a limp wrist about this whole thing. Well, it brings money into our economy. Give me a break. I don't, this, this is a canker sore on the, on, the, on the earth of Vancouver, of British Columbia. This is not good for Canada. I says, okay, I stopped the whole outreach. I said, we're going to blow the shofar, and I, I'm going to proclaim in the name of Jesus that this outfit is going to disintegrate within two weeks out of Vancouver. And I see in the spirit actors on this show getting born again. The pastor leans on me and says, wait a minute, Scott, before you say that publicly, they just signed yesterday another five-year contract. I says, Pastor, relax. Hallelujah. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Hallelujah. <laughs> exactly two weeks later, it hit the newspapers. They had a huge contract dispute. The whole thing went back to California. Hallelujah. <laughs> right now, right now, the entire program that is in a tailspin, it's out of control. And then three weeks later, one of the actors came into our services and got bored again. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It took three days to get the devils out of him. Hallelujah. He had some, the first day he sat there, he wanted to strangle me, the whole service. He was so mad. <laughs> then Easter Sunday, he fell, he found the floor and Minda. They all came out of him. Hallelujah. And now he's in charge of the sound system at that church. Hallelujah. He's on fire for God. Hallelujah. You'll see, if you go to New York City, you'll see him. Great brother. Hallelujah. Grant. He's wild for Jesus. I mean, he is out there for Jesus now. Hallelujah. Whoo! Hallelujah. What am I talking about? I'm talking about there's stuff that goes on in your city that you don't need an evangelist to come do it. You guys go do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we leave there and we go over to Victoria now, Vancouver Island. Beautiful place, okay? We get there. The pastor picks me up at the airport and says, Now, Brother Scott, I just want you to know that this is the witchcraft capital of British Columbia. I thought the last place I just came from was the witchcraft capital. <laughs> Let me tell you what else happened. So you'd be surprised how many, innocent folks, if you're scared of witnessing, we're here to help you, not condemn you. Okay? We're going to deal with that spirit of fear, okay? Glory to God. Because this, this river, this move of God has been in the church for several years now. And a lot of the church is not receiving it. So God's saying, okay, folks, I've set a banquet table. Go to the highways and byways now. Yeah, invite them good. in. Yeah. That's it. Let's go out there and bring them in. Because they'll listen. When, I, when we travel and I tell the story about the woman raised from the dead, I had people in the church that say, no. oh, yeah, right. How, how did that happen? Whenever I tell it to unbelievers, I have not had one unbeliever 
either mock me or disbelieve what I said. Why is that? I don't understand. I tell some of the guys that don't know, how do you know she was dead? Well, why don't you do this? Why don't you stick your head out the window at 50 miles an hour and we'll run you into a guardrail, okay? And let's see if you live or not. I don't understand it, you know? Anyway, praise God. Amen. So before we, I went, let me just say, before what happened, uh, I told the church, okay, you saw what happened to the ex-fellows. Yeah, let's go do it more. I says, no, no, you're going to go do it now. Us. I said, go find a, a foreign legion's hall in the worst part of town, rent it out, get a soup kitchen, and pass out flyers to all the young kids. Forget about going out there and run, riding your skateboards. We can go witnessing tonight. Hallelujah. Say, so went out and did it, okay? Praise God. And everybody's passing out tracks, and people are coming in, you know, getting saved. It's really good. And then I noticed when I walk into the service, five people try to sell me heroin. Five people. And I said to the kids, what is all these heroin dealers here? They said, oh, this is, I don't know if you know, but this is the worst place in Canada for drugs. I said, really? And all these kids are just junkies all over the place. Just dying. Just, it's tragic, folks. So I walk in the church, and we're ministering, and all of a sudden I get that righteous anger again. You know what? We're going to do something about this drug culture here. And the Lord says, okay, go blow the shofar. I went to the sidewalk. A bunch of young people followed me. Out. What are you doing now? He says, we're going to blow the shofar that the major kingpin drug dealers here in Vancouver get busted. Yeah. <laughs> Cars driving by. Hallelujah. We're leaving the service. As we're leaving, getting our cars, we notice that there's police all around the two-block area checking cars and IDs. We get home, the pastor calls me and says, turn on the TV. I don't like to watch TV. No, no, you've got to watch it. Turn it on now. I turn it on. <laughs> two blocks away from where the shofar blown, two hours later, they caught the number one heroin dealer from Vietnam. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. They've been tracing him for five years, and they caught him two blocks away from where we <laughs> Folks, hallelujah. And when I, so when I plug into this stuff, I, I, what I want to do now is spread it to everybody else. Yeah. I want everybody else to get into it. I want everybody else to do it. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Oh, so I get over, so I come over in the helicopter over to Vancouver Island, okay? Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're flying over, and my son's with me. Man, it's, oh, but this is great. I said, I know it, son. It's fun to preach. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray that we, we agree that we see some killer well pods as we're going over the channel. Okay, Abba, let's pray. We pray. Right before we land, killer whale pods, killer whale pods right there. Wow, look at that. Whoa. Yeah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We land, okay? We're having a great time. Guy picks me up. Now, Brother Scott, we want you to know that this is the witchcraft capital of British Columbia. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what does he mean when they always say that? <laughs> it's okay, son. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We're under it, you know. We're not sure what's going to happen here, you know. We've been under it, you know. It's okay, don't worry about it. So we get up Sunday and preach, and then Sunday night, after the service, all the youth come to me. They say, hey, Scott, we heard what happened to the X-Files. We know where all the witches hang out. I said, where? On top of Mount Douglas. We go up there at night, you'll see them burning the candles and doing their thing. I just don't tell anybody, but we're going tonight. He said, yes, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> so we get up in the pulpit, and, and I said, 
my wife and I, we've been, we really love it here in Victoria. Beautiful British culture, you know. And we went and had a tea, you know, where the queen stays when she comes, you know. And notice all the shops and arts and crafts here. It's a wonderful place. We, thank you for inviting us. But I wanted to let you know that Victoria is not the witchcraft capital of British Columbia. And we, <gasps> don't say that. It's not the witchcraft capital. It's the arts and crafts capital. Because <laughs> all the tourist shops. And they got it. They started laughing and laughing and laughing. Yeah, we, I say, say this, great big God. Itty bitty devil. Over and over. They got it. I says, okay, let's do something for God. All right, let's go, yeah. Okay. Tonight we're going to Mountain Douglas. Oh, no, no. I got to get home. I got to go to work tomorrow. Ushers, lock the doors. Nobody escapes. I says, we're going tonight to Mount Douglas. Hallelujah. And nobody is going to weasel out of it. So we went there, and then the believers say, hey, hey, it's okay to be up here. And you could see the witches come in and out of the shadows. You could see it. It was awesome, folks. Hallelujah. And I said, what do we do up here? I said, we're just going to worship God. Forget about spiritual mumbo-jumbo pulling down strongholds. We're just going to worship God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Let God arise, let his enemies be splattered. Hallelujah. Let God arise, let his enemies be splattered. Amen? We're coming over to take over this mountain. Hallelujah. And we just began to worship and worship. And then they start, and then all I can say to you is that we went somewhere. Notice most of these miracles I'm talking about are not happening in the churches. They're happening out there in the streets. We went somewhere that night. I don't know. I don't, I can't, it was just, it was awesome. Oh, just plugged in. And then I heard the voice of the Lord, the loudest I ever heard the Father speak to me. What he said to me, he said, son, I am everything, and you are nothing. Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. Verse 21, thou hadest these things in the wise and intelligent. Just reveal them to the babes. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 now. You all still with me? Yeah. <clears throat> It's all connected. There's, it, it, it's all connected tonight. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like I said, when you go out witnessing, the worst thing that could happen is you get, get killed and go to heaven. But don't have to worry about it, because you're not going to go before your, your time. Unless you want to be a martyr. I wouldn't mind being a martyr, to tell you the truth. Because when everybody's falling down before the Lamb and throwing their, th- their, their crowns before him, I get to stand up a second time and throw a martyr's crown, too. Two crowns. I throw the crown of life back to him and stand up when everybody's down and say, hey, Lord, here's another one. Catch this one. <laughs> Heaven's going to be a fun place. Chapter 2 and verse 1. When I came to you, brethren, I didn't come to you with superiority, a speech, or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. But I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You are nothing, I am everything. Okay, Papa. I was with you in weakness and fear, much trembling. He would not make it on TV. I tell you, he would not make it on TV. Paul, you just don't have it cut out. You just don't have the character cut out for TV. You shake too much. Moses, you're a stutterer. What are you doing? <laughs> My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. 
but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. That your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are passing away. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery, hidden, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for they have understood they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What we're going to share with you tonight is the wisdom of God, which the enemy does not know anything about. He does not know what we're going to talk about tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Things which I have not seen, ears not heard, have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the bottomless things of God, amplified, beautiful, fathom, the unfathomable things of God. Now, verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. Amen? If you sit around and get too much enamored with TV and the things of this life, the, the sound and the video generation that we live in, you're going to start to grow into fear of God's not able to meet your needs. As long as you stay here, oh, your faith will be always, oh, amen. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. That's why I had to shut down the Bugs Life movie. Was it, didn't it, we watched it with our kids today. It wasn't... It, I tell you, it is, I tell you, folks, our kids don't need that stuff. Our kids don't need to be babysit by, by videos. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Come on now. Amen. You know? Amen. Oh, yeah, I went to Lion King once with my son. I thought, finally, a, a good, wholesome Lion King. You're like Swiss Family Robinson, you know, and, you know, uh, whatever, you know, Old Yeller, you know. We watch Old Yeller so much, all, it, it, the tape is all stretched in the video machine, I mean. Lion King comes out. My son, oh, let's go. Okay, let's go. Hallelujah. Christians, oh, it's great. You'll love it. We got there in the movie. They hold up this little baby lion, and the monkey's there, you know. He's the witch doctor, the monkey. Okay, I'm trying not to be too spiritual. I just try to enjoy the film. And in the middle of the show, the monkey's going like this, doing mantras, calling up the spirit of the dead lion. And I said, and my son has enough sense. Remember, he reveals these things to the, the babes. Rises up and says, ooh, yucky devils, let's get out of here, Abba. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. Verse 13, things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual with spiritual. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The Greek word for natural is carnal. The carnal man, the natural man, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. It's also the same word we get carnivorous. So you could say here, the meathead <laughs> does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. God is a spirit. He's not a brain tissue, folks. So the first thing we need to do to enter into the realms of glory, the realms of wisdom, is to allow God to give us a frontal lobotomy at the door when we go into his realms. 
allow his presence to fall on our brainstem like a guillotine. Chop. And we need our brains to drive our car, pay our bills. Amen? Earn a living. But you don't need your brains to flow in the Holy Ghost. Have you noticed, many of you, when I prayed for you last night, I, was, I put my hand here. It says, you receive down here, not up here. This is the area we need to renew. But this is what we live out of down here. Amen? Hallelujah. Down here. Hallelujah. That's the real you. Amen? This is just an earth suit here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, you're feeling down in here right now. So the, those are orientated by brain tissue cannot receive the things of the realms of God. But this is the wisdom of God. What is the wisdom of God? Proverbs 8. Turn with me tonight. Holy Ghost, change the message, so just be patient. Just stepping out by faith tonight. Proverbs chapter 8. This is the chapter that personifies wisdom. Now, why is wisdom in a female voice here? The reason why is because Proverbs 5 and 7 talks about the adulterer crying out in the streets. And so this comes in, Hebrew parallelism, comes in with the wise woman or the woman crying out in the streets as a sign of wisdom, that the naive need to listen to her voice and enter her house instead of the house of the harlot. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Come on, amen. amen. It says in verse 22 that wisdom begins to describe the origin. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. I like that. <laughs> Glory to God. Before his works of old, from everlasting I was established from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth, when there were no depths I was brought forth, from the no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills I was brought forth. Verse 26, while he had not yet made the earth and the fields nor the first dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. Who is wisdom talking about here? Jesus, right. This is the pre-incarnate Son of God. This is a glimpse into the realms of glory before the world ever began. Chachmah here, the wisdom of God, this is before anything ever began. We see into the realms of glory because Jesus is the wisdom of God, correct? <laughs> Verse 28, when he made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the sea its boundaries so that water should not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, when I was beside them as a master workman, I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. Who oh, glory to God. So here is wisdom personified as Jesus before the world began, rejoicing with God the Father and the sons of men. Hallelujah. Notice that this same word, I concept of rejoicing, is found in Luke after they cast out the demons. He says, I thank you, Abba. He rejoiced greatly at that time in the spirit. What type of rejoicing did Jesus do? Did he sit back up there and go, I will celebrate. <laughs> Sing unto the Lord. What did Jesus do? Well, it's, if you look in the Hebrew here, and I, I, I read this. Now, for years in this revival, I'd come to services, and I want to run and go crazy at times. Yeah. I want to just jump pews, you know. I, I would just at times just want to be worship before him, holy, holy, holy. You know, there's different seasons of how to worship and ways to worship as his presence comes, yeah. multifaceted away. There's times I just want to get up and everybody just, you know, drop the services and disappear and go witnessing. I mean, glory to God. 
So I see people at times doing somersaults, you know, cartwheels. You know, people getting just really messed up. Can't even drive, you know. Have to warn the people, those are not speed bumps in a parking lot. Those could be bodies. Oh, hallelujah. But for some reason in church, I, I was never felt the freedom because people always thought Jesus was some stoic figure, you know. But if you look closely at this word, verse 30, it says, I was, he was rejoicing always before him. It's from the Hebrew word. Now, I'll, don't try to understand the Hebrew. I'll just tell you what it means. The Hebrew word for laughter is Yitzhak, Isaac. Okay? There is a derivative of Isaac, which is the word misachechet. It doesn't just mean to laugh. It's taken to a deeper meaning. It means to frolic and play. And that is the word used here in verse 30 and 31 of the Son of Man rejoicing in heaven. Frolicking and playing. Chunky cheese. <laughs> now, the translators of my Bible didn't understand this, and so, Pastor, just right there it says... Playing. Playing. They got it right, but they hid it in a smaller font because it didn't fit their understanding of how God can move. God is not some gray-haired despot like deism taught, you know, that's wound up the universe to let it run by itself and walk away from it. He's personal. His name is Abba, Daddy. And so we see the image here that the Son of God and Abba frolicking and playing, taken from the word Isaac, laughter. Oh, hallelujah. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 5, same scripture is used. It says, in the new Jerusalem, the streets will be filled with children frolicking and playing. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thou hast revealed these things to the babes. What do children do? They play. If I lived in Israel, say, Dalit and I, we lived in Jerusalem. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. And I came home from a day of ministry. And I walk in the kitchen, and I smell, you know, malawak, you know, whatever, you know. <laughs> Shawarma, or what else is good? Couscous. Food from Israel. And I walk in, I just smell it. I kiss Dalit and say, mm, I need Raya. I'm hungry. I'm famished. And she would say, how was your day today? I'd say, oh, we cast 50 devils out of this two rabbis at the Western Wall. It was awesome, man. Scared all the tourists off. Oh, sounds like another day at the office. <laughs> go, go ahead. We're ready to eat. Go call the kids. And I'd say, Afo Yeladim, where's the kids? And she's used the same word here. Him, Misachim, Bagan. They are playing in the backyard. And so I'd walk over. This is the type of heaven, folks. I walk over, look through the shutters, and there'd be my five kids all sitting quietly talking about the origins of the universe. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> See, we want to study the origins of the universe, and God's saying, stop it. Listen, the creation of the universe only takes up two chapters of the entire Bible. 
It's not a scientific book. It's a love letter of redemption. I'll show you those things. Those things are not important. What's important is your heart. Think about it. The creation account, which is very important, only takes up two chapters in the Bible. But the precise architectural renderings for the furnishings of the tabernacle for God to come down and hang out with his people takes up whole books. It's more important that God comes hanging out with us and trying to show us how he started everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So my kids would be out there playing, frolicking, throwing sand, running around, laughing. (laughs) Suffer not the children, for such is the kingdom of God. Wisdom is vindicated by her children. And so it's not information. It's not a bunch of initials after brain tissue activity that you get after college. (laughs) The realms of glory and the realms of authority to drive out devils, hallelujah, is like being like a child and enjoying Abba Papa. Somebody out there get excited besides me and the pastors here. Hallelujah. I know it's a new concept for many of you, but it's scriptural, folks. The scene in heaven is a Holy Ghost chunky cheese experience. Or it wouldn't use these words. Now, we'll be here for a while. Don't just, hallelujah, put it in park, hallelujah. We've got to get this. I have to meditate on this daily, you know? Because my image, listen, when I was raised in a synagogue as a kid, it was only, always oh, the Holy One of Israel, the lawgiver. His name is one. I mean, he was distant. He was far away. He was like a big club. He's going to hit me over the head if I do something wrong. It wasn't a personal relationship. It was a fear. There was a, a chasm between me and him. And that's in a lot of churches still. He is now, the word Abba is used only 10 times in the Old Testament. When it talks about God the Father. But in Jesus' first sermon, he uses the word Abba 14 times. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he came to reveal a new image. Your Abba knows what you needed before you ask. Ask. Pray this way. Avinu our Father which art in heaven. You see it, folks. And the Jewish people sitting there and the proselytes of Judaism, they didn't have enough ram to run the program. Because it's a new concept, folks. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And Paul got the revelation. Every letter Paul wrote is grace and peace to you from God the Father which is the Hebrew word Abba, which you hear of our kids running around and their kids, it's just Abba means daddy. It's a word of endearment. Oh, I love it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, verse 30, I was besides him as a master group. I was daily his delight, Shuim in Hebrew. I was playing, frolicking before him, playing in the world, having, his servant, having my delight in the sons of men. 
Meaning, he created us for his pleasure. He wants to play with us. Okay, I'm in California three weeks ago. Coming back from San Jose, I come home. What's the first thing I do when I see my kids? Kids, bow down before me right now. (laughs) Did you clean your room? I'm going to drop a dime on your bed and see if it bounces or not. You read your Bible today? And that's people's image of God. What do I do? I pick them up and I tickle them till they are red and pink. And my little one, first thing she says, Abba, did you bring me something? <laughs> He's the father of lights, the glory realm. Every good and perfect gift comes down from Abba. Hallelujah. Boom. What do you do when you see your kids, Maurice? <laughs> Run around. <laughs> Run around. Do you understand the concept, folks? Yes. If we can relate to him like that, your faith will spur up. You'll know that he wants you to have a breakthrough. He, know, he knows you, you have a desire, but is he put the desire there if you live on 10% and give away 90%? Yeah. Woo! Yeah. He has a greater desire for this Houston than, you, than we do. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yes. And when we step over into this realm that's beyond brain tissue of frolicking as children with Abba, we are now operating in the greatest realm of authority because it reveals these things not to the wise and intelligent, but to the babes. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, this is, when you enter to the realm of glory, this is what you experience in heaven. When David brought the ark, he used this same word. First Samuel, excuse me, Second Samuel, chapter, you just find it, Second Samuel chapter 5 and 6, I believe it is. It's getting gooder. I can feel it getting really thick now. 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verse 5, they're, they're coming back. Hallelujah. Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were playing. The Hebrew word for celebrating is from the root saying, to play. The whole house is frolicking and playing. Hallelujah. Can you imagine how David's dancing in front of the manifest glory of God that appears? Now, if anybody here has a question about this word, I just feel led to do this. Maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, well, Scott, that's really way out. Give me three references. I'll give you 20 references. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's on page uh, (laughs) 763 of the Theological Word Book of the Old Testament. Hallelujah. It's under the Strong's number... You know what? I don't even read this. If you, you guys can make copies if you want this later. It's all right here. It's so powerful concept. There's always somebody asks me after service, can you show us where you found that word? That's right there. It's for somebody out there. I don't know who it's for. Anyway, verse 5, David was playing and frolicking before the Lord with all types of instruments. And verse 14, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting, ah, 
Can you imagine what's going on here? Now, don't think this is strange. You know why? Because this is what happens in football games. Verse 16, this is, this is a tragic moment. Then it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, that Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing. He's frolicking, totally, before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And verse 20, and verse 20, come on, stay with me. But when David returned to bless his household... Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet King David and said to him, How the king of Israel distinguished himself today. He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servant maids as one who foolishly and shamelessly uncovers himself. The wisdom of God is foolishness to the natural mind. She just blew it big time. Because she signed that when David encountered the ark, which was the manifest presence of God was with that ark, when you touch that manifest presence, folks, you first repent, you second rejoice and frolic. <laughs> and she, it was outside of her parameters. She, oh, people, what, what will people think of my husband? And she blew it. In verse 21, David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father, above all of his house, to appoint me ruler over the people of Israel. Therefore, I will frolic and play before the Lord. Same Hebrew word. Translate and celebrate probably in English. And look at this. 23. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child of the day of her death. You know what that means, brothers and sisters? This is very powerful. Those ministries today, whatever you cannot control, you'll criticize. And these manifestations, God is tickling his kids. Yeah. And th be, people think it's a three-ring circus and a bunch of games. What God's doing is unknowingly to the, to the natural mind. He's downloading spiritual authority inside of you. Yeah. Hallelujah. And these things of people jumping over the pews and on the ground laughing and frolicking and whatever... Is actually the plumb line in the church to keep the proud and heart out. Yeah. Yeah. And those people who do not allow the services to allow God to tickle his kids and have fun with them in this place of worship, they'll have no children in the future. The stream will dry up. First Samuel 18 shows us a story of that. First Samuel 18 and verse 6. Is it okay if we keep on teaching? Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> First Samuel 18, verse 6. And it happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine that the women came of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang as they... Played, same Hebrew word to frolic, derivative of Isaac. Isn't that awesome, folks? So here the big meathead is killed, okay? Goliath. <laughs> the big meathead is killed. He's roadkill. Hallelujah. <laughs> David says, You're roadkill, buddy. Man, the bird's going to peck you out. That's finished. You're finished. 
You've defied the armies of God. So he went out there a boy. Hallelujah. He knew how to frolic. Watching those little sheep. Hallelujah. Whoo! Boom. Snuck in his forehead. Finished. They came back rejoicing because now they didn't have to be slaves to the Philistines. But guess what happened? As the woman frolicked and played like children, verse 8. That's what's happening right now, folks. Then Saul became very angry for this saying displeased him. And he said, they've ascribed to David ten thousands. But to me, they've ascribed thousands. What more can I have? He had but the kingdom. And Saul looked at David's suspicion that day on. Now, hear my heart now, okay? I go to a lot of conferences and meetings, okay? And it's great to be here with pastors that love God. But I've been to so many meetings where the reserve section is the most reserved place in the house. (laughs) And you think about it. The reason a lot of these vessels that God has used that are so reserved is really because they're man-pleasers. They're afraid what people will think if they just go wild and throw off their shoes and start running around the place if they want to. Second, it's very difficult for them to enter into worship. You know why? Because they're so used to being worshipped by their own people. And if anything goes on that's suspicious, I mean, folks, to hear my heart, because I used to be a controller like that in Brooklyn. I did. I controlled my son. I pulled him up out of that. I almost admit, thank God for his grace on me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, last night, you know, you know, what we like to do in the meetings, and thank God the pastors have given us liberty, we like just to open things up. And if something gets in the flesh, well, there's plenty of ushers around and people that, you know what I'm saying? But let's allow some type of movement to happen. (laughs) Now, you ready for, you ready to go deeper? We're going right after it, folks. We're going after the juggler vein of our society right now. Turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus, chapter 32. Here we go. Glory to God. Reach it, brother. Oh, glory to God. Exodus 32. Now when the people, verse 1, saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. So they took off the earrings, they made a golden calf, okay? Now, I want to share this with you. When there is no prophetic word in the camp, or there is no leadership, people naturally will fall back into selfish amusements. Let's go on. Verse 6. So the next day they rose early, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to Litzachach to play. Other translations say sport. Now, the good playing, what we talked about before, in the cow stem. This is in the PL stem, which is a negative connotation. The people rose up, built a golden calf, and they frolicked and played around it. And it's the same word used for sport, 
S-P-O-R-T. When there is, in our culture, because there's been a dearth of the move of God's Spirit the last 30 years, people have been given a desire by God to frolic and play and sport. If they're not allowed to do it in church, they will do it outside the church. There's nothing wrong with sports, but in our day and hour, bodily exercise profits little. Do enough to get a cardiovascular workout, burn some calories, and that's it, folks. Parents, don't go overboard on sporting with your kids. It's good to have some discipline on team sports, but don't go overboard with it. Let me give you an example. How... <laughs> Even the music's bad. I believe the golden calf of our society is the God of entertainment and sports. I had a, a pastor friend who, in, down in Florida, says, I was off the road, it was in a, it's December in, last year, and he says, hey, Brother Scott, uh, I, I got some really good box seats to the Tampa Bay Lightning ice hockey game. Would you like to go with your son? I'll bring my son. I said, sure. Why not? Why not? I haven't been to a hockey game for a long, long time. And so we got a, on the way to the hockey game, driving in his Suburban, and I leaned over and I says, uh, who are they playing tonight? And he goes, uh, New Jersey Devils. <laughs> okay, I won't be too spiritual here. Okay. I try to have a nice night out with my son, okay? <laughs> and so I say, well, let's pray tonight. Come on, kids. Let's all grab hands. Let's pray tonight. There'll be no fights in the game. And uh, the pastor looked at me and says, no way, man. That's the best part. And I said, you backslidden buzzard. Come on, son. Let's pray. Hallelujah. We bind that spirit of violence in the name of Jesus. We get to the ice hockey game, okay? Box seats. Very expensive. I look around. Behind me, Nations Bank officials, Barnett Bank, SunTrust, Construction, the leaders of the society. And yet, how were they acting at the game? Like a bunch of kids throwing popcorn at each other, laughing, drunk as a skunk. Leaders. I'm sitting there going, man, that's, I've never seen so much frolicking before in church. It's like a church event to them. And they brought out the Stanley Cup, and the place went wild. And I, the Lord spoke to me and says, this is the golden calf of your society. And when they scored the first goal that night, I have never heard people shout and frolic in church like they did that night in that hockey rink. And the Lord began to speak to me and says, son, I put inside every person a desire to compete and to conquer and subdue and to play and frolic. And if it's not used within the church, if the church is not allowed to do that in services, my people will naturally go out there and find innocent amusements. And Charles G. Finney says the greatest enemy of revival is innocent amusements. And so I left from there. By the way, there wasn't any fights in the game. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> from there, I went to, to Halifax, Nova Scotia. Ice hockey country, folks. I got up there. It was a large, very large church and preaching. Had great meetings that week. And they asked me, can you teach? Share your testimony in the meetings Saturday morning. I said, sure. Got there Saturday morning. And the Lord told me to start preaching the golden calf. And I says, Lord, I like this church. I want to be invited back, please. <laughs> he says, you obey me. I said, okay, I will. And I got up and I says, 
I listen to your men's prayers. Now listen, man, just hear my heart. I listen to your men's prayers, and you're all crying out about your, you need to love your wives more, you, you, you're repenting for not spending more time with your kids, and this and that. And I says, you're a bunch of hypocrites. I says, I know in my spirit that you're getting in fights with one another. What do you mean? I says, you go out there, you work hard all week at the plant. Saturday morning, you get up early. <clears throat> you go to the ice hockey ring, and you have a Christian ice hockey team. It's an ice hockey Christian league. And you skate your brains out on Saturday morning. You've even gotten into fights with other Christians, other teams. And then at the end, you have to pray some measly prayer because you're in such conviction because the referees think you're a bunch of hypocrites. And then you come home and you have nothing to give your wife or your kids. You slop on the couch and watch TV the rest of the afternoon because you're totally worn out. And then you have to get up and go do your duties at Sunday school the next morning. And then get up, you're at church all day Sunday, and then you have nothing for your family, and you get up Monday morning and you're off to work. And the treadmill continues week after week like that. Man, that's fighting words up there. And they finally understood it. And instead of chasing after an ice hockey puck or a baseball... We need to instead to pursue and subdue our wives. Because God has put a desire within them, Genesis 3, to be subdued. They want to be subdued. They want to be sported. And oh, the peace of heaven that comes in the house. <laughs> And so I told the guys in Canada, I said, instead of everybody getting together like a fraternity every year and going chasing down some big bull moose in the bush, chase down your wife. Hallelujah. Hunt her down. Pursue her. For all I can play with her. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. And all the joy that comes in the house. Oh, the kids are happy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this is what we talked about last night. The intimate knowledge of the Lord's glory is going to fill the earth as the world is going to see. The word intimate there is only used of the marriage relationship. <laughs> to the pure, all things are pure tonight. Come on. Hallelujah. Isaac was misshaking <laughs> his wife, Rebecca. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, the unity in the prayer life now, when there's unity in the marriage. <laughs> Come on, folks. Hallelujah. This is an all-encompassing word of the glory realm. Number one, God wants to frolic and play with his children. Amen? If you had a bad father, forget about it. He tried his best, okay? Don't try to crawl back in your mother's womb and find all this inner healing stuff. Just, okay, just... Just 
release it. Just forgive him, you know, and you'll be healed. I mean, amen. We all had, you know, our fathers act like schleps at times. What can we say? I mean, they're human. Just forgive him. Amen. Get your eyes on the Abba of lights. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I love you, Abba. Number two, love your wife or your spouse. Hallelujah. The same way Jesus loves the church. His wives will submit to their husbands when the husbands frolic and play with them. That's right. All the stock in ESPN is dropping right now. Hallelujah. They say, well, Pastor, how are we going to build a new church? All the cable TV subscriptions, just 300 people giving cable TV $30 a month. That's glory to God. Hallelujah. Ho, we can do a lot with that, can't we? Hallelujah. And the third, just tell people that he's a frolicking father. Amen. Amen. Now, our whole civilization wants to do this. Psalms 104. <laughs> I really, I've said this before. I believe this message is a revolutionary concept that I've never known before until I started searching the scriptures. Because a religious person came to me once and said, where did Jesus ever laugh and roll on the floor like that? We only see Jesus crying. Well, we're showing you this is the kingdom of heaven. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he's not going to bring the prodigals home if we act like the older brother. Yes. <laughs> because he got upset about the dancing and the music. <laughs> Church is a fun place again. Hallelujah. Listen, we minister this message everywhere we go for people, and it lights people into a new realm, okay? But I have to constantly feed upon it. Because the fallen nature doesn't want to, you know what I'm saying? Say, how excited are you, Scott? Well, I feel like a porpoise that just escaped from SeaWorld. I was born again in this captive environment. My handlers were religious mentors of my life. They kept on fight, feeding me vitamin-filled mullet all the time. And I swam in circles. I was never released into my potential. <laughs> I always had to perform for the crowds and money. <laughs> and then I started rebelling in my captivity. <laughs> but I knew there must be more. Hallelujah. More, more freedom. More liberty. And so they got upset with me, so they drugged me up. Put me on a journey and they helicoptered me out of SeaWorld. And I wiggled out of the journey and fell into a canal. And now I'm in the wide blue ocean. Hallelujah. Of total freedom. I can swim as deep as I can in his love. As fast as I want. I can jump inside. I can eat whatever I want inside there. Hallelujah. I am free. Hallelujah. To frog and play like a man. Psalms 104. I'm going to keep teaching until you fall in tonight. Some people are doing really good at drinking. <laughs> Psalms 104, verse 24. Oh, Lord, how many are thy works? In wisdom. There's the word wisdom again. Is, how many people, it's a shocker to you that wisdom 
is to be frolicking and playing. It's, you know, when you think of wisdom, you think of Einstein having a bad hair day. I mean, you think of, <laughs> you think of, you know, Socrates, Plato, you know I mean? You think of some, you know, distinguished guy, you know, in the university. But God's wisdom is a chunky cheese experience. <laughs> oh! And wisdom has made them all. The earth is full of thy possessions. The sea, great and broad, which are swarms without number. Animals both small and great. There the ships move along. And Leviathan, which I was formed to sport in it. Play in it. Same Hebrew word. Here we go as we start to wind up here. All of creation is looking for the manifestations of the children of God. All of creation is full of the glory, this intimate knowledge, except humanity. Romans 1 says, if you want to find out what God's like, look at creation. Amen? We know His divine Godhead is power by Romans chapter 1. What's been created. Glory to God. Here's two sisters attempting to... Um, yeah, they've got it big time. Hallelujah. <laughs> Keep preaching, it's wonderful! <laughs> Hallelujah! Glory! Glory to God. So, that's okay. I feel the same, same way many times. Amen. That makes me just want to give my own offering. Hallelujah. <laughs> Freedom! Liberty! And the pursuit of happiness. All of creation is full of glory. The waves hit on the shore. Hallelujah. The field, the trees clap their hands. Amen? Except for fallen man. They've fallen short of the glory. And so our culture pays billions yearly to be entertained by creation. We go see porpoises and killer whales at SeaWorld. We pay lots of money for Discovery Channel for lots of nature programming. Why? Because people are curious in watching creation frolic and play because they know that inside of creation is something they've lost inside. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Why do people go bird watching so much? I cannot figure it out. <laughs> They buy all this expensive gear, $1,000 binoculars, go watch a bunch of birds frolic. This, Martha, there's something there in those Oreos. I see it. You know, the Baltimore Oreo, you know. <laughs> Why was Flipper such a great show? Because he acted almost human-like. Right there. Oh. <laughs> somebody's got to tell those green peas quit trying to save the frolicking whales save the humans save the baby humans Might as well get used to it, folks. This is what heaven's all about. We'll conclude with Jeremiah. 
This is the same word used in the last days of Israel's restoration. Jeremiah 30 and verse 18, same word is used in the final days. Lots of frolicking and playing on the streets. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I'll restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob. 30 and 18 of Jeremiah. I have compassion on his dwelling places, and the city shall be rebuilt on the ruin, and the palace shall stand in its rightful place, and from them shall supreme thanksgiving, and the voice of those who make merry. Chapter 31 and 1. At that time declares the Lord. That time that people were merrymakers like that. Hallelujah. I will be the God of all the families of Israel. Could it be that Ezekiel's dry bones resurrected is when the church finally enters into its glory. And arises and shines. Hallelujah. And enters into true Davidic worship. Was not just E minor notes. (laughs) Davidic worship is to... Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Verse 2, Israel, when it finds its rest, the Lord appeared from afar, saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I've drawn you with loving kindness. Again, I'll build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin Israel. And again, you shall take up your tambourines and go forth to the dances of the Misachim. Why don't you pronounce that better, honey? I wrote it there in Hebrew. Misachim. 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 Thank you. Still too Americanized. It's right there, folks. We'll conclude with one last scripture. Psalms 126. I know it's overload, but it's good. Hallelujah. I'm just getting as much in as I can, getting the old out. Because you know what? A lot of people won't do what Maurice just did until they saw it in the Word now. Now you have to do it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now... I got so upset with this, this one guy in, in, in Quebec. We had just, the woman had just been, oh, can I share this with you? I'll talk about the woman raised from the dead maybe later, but uh, three days before she was raised from the dead, the Lord came in our services in Montreal, and we were frolicking and playing for an hour and a half on the drums. The drummers and the percussionists were an hour and a half drum solos, one o'clock at night. We didn't leave the building until 4 a.m. that morning. Out of that frolicking and playing, hallelujah, letting your hair down, so to speak, is when the Lord brought in that supernatural power to raise a woman from the dead, killing a car wreck three days later. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I thank you, Allah, that's hidden these things from the wise and intelligent, revealing to the babes. Because what happened was I broke open my heart. I let the seed of my emotions be exposed, and he came and frolicked with me. It's all about the heart. He wants us to open our heart. That's all it is. Whew, hallelujah. Glory to God. Something in that. Something in that. 
Psalms 126, when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we're like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. Now, let me share this with you. I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we're going to push you over. There's people here who have major financial breakthroughs. You know why? Because now your greatest delight is to frolic with him, not in thinking how to spend the money when it comes. You see, there's a certain rush people get in getting money and running to the mall real quick. Let's do that, let's do that. And nothing wrong with that. That's just human nature. But how much more if we frolic with him more? But that's just a lower impulse. It doesn't control us. So therefore, money just becomes an instrument to get more people frolicking and playing, getting the good news, the gospel out. It's all about the desire. If he, can, if he can get it through us, he'll get it to us. <laughs> you understand why Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him? Today you'll be with me in paradise. We got all these Romans strict. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Abba! What caused Jesus to go through Gethsemane? He didn't say Lord. He said Abba, Daddy. When you understand how much Daddy loves you, you can go through any type of testing. His perfect love from Abba drives out all fear of rejection and fear of loneliness and fear of lack and fear of everything else. Go over to God. Oh, go over to God. Oh, go over to God. I'm really drunk right now, folks. Pardon me. I'm really excited. And our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with... Our tongue with rena, singing. Us also use ear ringing cries of jubilation. Ooh, it has to reach a decimal point. It has to ring your ears to be scriptural. Then they, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap with, ah! He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed shall indeed come again with, a, ah! Bring your sheaves. Notice the progression. Captivity, freedom, joy, celebration. We're glad. Hallelujah. Stream beds become flood, flood waters. Hallelujah. And then the harvest comes in. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. We're receiving an offering tonight. Hallelujah. God loves a cheerful giver. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. And Father, we thank you for the gifts tonight. Lord, let this message get out of how much you love us and frolic. And... Glory to God. We thank you for it, Papa. Bless every person. Let this tonight, let them get so enraptured with you, Papa, that you tickle your people, you play with them, and that they just turn around and suddenly the finances have come in. Suddenly the healings appeared in their body. Suddenly the answer has come. Suddenly the children have come back home. Glory to God. Thank you, Abba, in Jesus' name. Amen.
thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord, save me, forgive me, cleanse me, take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming, running home to you now. In your name I pray, amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.